is up you guys and welcome back to another episode of take back your crown i'm your host taylor crown and this week i decided to do something a little bit different this week is going to be a very vulnerable chat a very open chat And it's going to be a moment where I create a safe space, not just for me, but as you listen, I want you to also feel as if you are in this safe space with me. I want you to take in what you're feeling, take in what you may have experienced in a similar regard to me, take in whether you empathize or sympathize with what I say, take whatever resonates, leave whatever doesn't, and just take a moment to create your own safe space as well as you listen Open yourself up to receive whatever emotions, thoughts, and feelings that you may experience while you listen. I know listening to someone else's story can really resonate with you in ways you didn't know it could. And because of that, it can take you to moments in your own life where you may have faced a similar situation or may have felt a similar feeling. So for this episode, it's going to be very laid back, very personal on my end, and it's going to be a solo episode. I have not recorded a solo episode in a very long time and I felt this week that I was, I don't want to say disconnected more than usual from myself, but more so I reconnected with myself and came to this place of developing an even deeper relationship with myself. And I had noticed, because I had at the start of quarantine and isolation, when I did spend all this time with myself as I talked about last week with Abby I really honed in on that relationship with myself I took myself on little sunset dates and sunset walks and would journal and just find new unique ways to express myself, to be with myself, to be present in the moment. I got very creative. I started coloring again and I did a lot of inner healing work that really helped get me to where I am in this present moment. And around... September maybe September or October I noticed a transitional period where I started fading back into a previous version of myself healing isn't linear Obviously, I have stated that before. I have made it very clear. And if you are on your own healing journey or concerned about starting one or curious, not concerned, if you are curious about starting 
a self-love, a self-healing, a healing your emotional trauma type of journey, know that it is not linear. There are so many times I have gone back to past thoughts, past behaviors, past actions, and that isn't to say I didn't make progress and didn't heal and grow from that, but rather to say I didn't fully finish that healing and that setback was to reveal more healing that needed to take place. So when I say, you know, back in September and October was when I started fading and disconnecting and and going back to things and thoughts and feelings I thought I had healed from, it's not to say I'm not being successful in my journey and it's not to say that I won't be successful and it's not to say that that set me back so far because honestly, being brought back to those past little moments, feelings and experiences that need that extra care, that extra healing you are being propelled forward it's still forward movement and I know that keeps a lot of people stuck because I was very similar in the regard that I thought experiencing negative situations and feelings and emotions that came up again I was unsuccessful in that I wouldn't get everything I desired and I wouldn't attract what I wanted because I thought that by feeling those negative emotions I was putting out that I just want to attract more negative circumstances which isn't the case Because overall, through my healing journey, I have learned that 99. let's say 5, I don't want to do 99.9% of the time, but let's say 99.5% of the time, I have healed in a way that when negative thoughts, when doubtful thoughts, When sadness comes, I am able to validate, feel, and switch those emotions so quickly and to use them in a positive way. And what I mean by that is I used to feed into it. If you listen to my last episode with Abby, we talked about feeding into certain thoughts and feelings and when you experience those negative emotions and you start feeding into them you're giving them power and that's what I was so used to I would give them power I would sit there my brain would say you're not good enough you're overweight no one wants you and in turn I kept validating those thoughts And I was like, well, yeah, you're right. Maybe no one does. Now I'm at a place where those thoughts come up. And I'm like, hold on. (laughs) Hold on. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a damn minute. Like, (laughs) no, I don't give them the power. I take back the power. And this is kind of where this episode is going It's going to be a lot of my own emotional healing journey and what I've learned, how I've grown to get to where I am emotionally and mentally and physically as well, spiritually as well. 
but I'm also going to touch on certain moments in my life with relationships, connections to myself, connections to the world around me, not just people, my worldviews and how they changed, my perspectives, my codependent tendencies. It's going to be a lot of everything, if I'm being honest. I want this to be, like I said, a safe space. But I also want it to be something where someone can listen and be like, I relate to her and I hear her and I feel safe here and I feel valid and I feel as if what I'm going through, it gets better. And I feel as what I'm going through is going to make me stronger. And I feel what I'm going through. She went through as well. I didn't just all of a sudden glow up and get better physically, mentally, and emotionally. It was a lot of hard work. I will not lie to you about that. It is, it still is a lot of hard, hard work. It is something you have to do daily, showing up for yourself, not just in a physical way. And that is why I have shifted and have become more open to talking about the emotional healing, past trauma, inner child wounding, more of my spiritual journey and the universe, God, the divine, whatever you preach to, connect with. I want to share my part of the journey and this is honestly just a little inspo chat and so I'm very glad you're here with me and I want to dive in full on and give you a glimpse of my life and hopefully through giving you more of an understanding of who I am, what I've been through, you'll start to regain a better sense of who you are and your capabilities as a person. My journey is, of course, going to be very different than yours. Very different. They're, we're on two different life paths. We're on two different timelines. We may have moments that line up here and there. We may have situations that line up here and there. But none of it is going to be the exact same. If you relate and empathize, I hope you take away what I have learned. And other than that, let's get started in talking about my journey. So, growing up, let's start early on. Let's start at the beginning and understand where some of my fears, past traumas, and experiences led me into adulthood. I did place a poll and a questionnaire on my Instagram story not too long ago asking certain questions to kind of redirect my content to focus more on that. I wanted to really see where my audience was and what really spoke to them or what extra guidance they may have needed. And one of the questions was dealing with healing and trauma and a lot of people expressed that they were unsure of how to pinpoint it as trauma and fears and 
different emotions within themselves. So I'm going to share this background information only because I know it'll kind of make more sense as to where some of my own trauma came from and how it revealed itself to me in adulthood and then how I learned to heal from that and what led me to understand it even more. So when those emotions come up, they are able to be expressed, validated, and released immediately so that I don't feed into that and I don't continue down the path of that mindset. Now, big disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. Anything I say within this episode is purely my own experiences, my own knowledge, my own growth, my my own place of understanding of how this unfolds. There are going to be plenty of people out there who know way more than me, have better coping mechanisms, healing mechanisms, knowing more in depth how to pinpoint certain things. So again, this is primarily my experience and what I have taken away from it. Okay, so growing up for me was not easy. A lot of kids are carefree, live, you know, the craziest, best life, experience a lot. And I did live that. But there was an internal struggle that I was not even aware of until my younger adult years. I also want to say that I was raised in a wonderful family. My parents were wonderful people. They are wonderful people. They are still alive, not were wonderful people. They taught me so much about the world and they gave me courage to do a lot of things and believe in myself and this by no means disregards any of that. I was very blessed as a child. I was raised in a very fortunate situation. We went on vacations all the time, theme parks all the time. I got to experience a lot. So this by no means is saying that I was raised in an awful environment. However, I will say for trauma, it is passed down. Generational trauma is a real thing. So however your parents may have grown up in their environment, whether super violent, chaotic, seeing a lot of death, drugs, alcohol, or they were raised in a more fortunate situation, but there may have been an emotionally absent parent or an experience with relationships in their life. If they have not healed from that and don't know how to cope and understand that within themselves, that's going to create the way that they raise you in the environment they raise you and whether they validate your emotions or not. So it is passed down. Again, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the in-depth psychology behind it, but this is what I have come to learn. And it makes a lot more sense honestly, with some of my own personal fears and wounds that I have had to face in my life. So the internal struggle I experienced as a child is still 
one today, like I said, it requires attention, care, and healing every single day. Every single day, I have to face certain thoughts and feelings that may come up. And I have to learn how to nurture and care for it properly. So as a kid, you know, for those that do know me as a kid or through my life, you may have been in some of these stories or you just may kind of know the surface level details based on what you saw. But I'm going to get really personal, really vulnerable, so bear with me. So as a kid, we all have a little baby weight on us. You know, most of us grow out of that sort of thing. And I didn't. If I'm honestly looking for the right word, I became addicted to food at a very young age. And at the time, I wasn't as self-aware of the mental and emotional battle I was fighting as I am now. I'm, I'm more aware of that, of course. But food was my coping mechanism and my codependency in dealing with my emotions. And a lot of people go through that. A lot of people go to food as uh, stress relief, sadness, you know, when you're sad, you eat ice cream. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are those who can have a bowl of ice cream if they're sad. And then there's people who will eat the whole tub of ice cream if they're sad. They want the dopamine level raise that food initiates. And I had developed a very unhealthy addiction where I would binge eat, I would closet closet eat, I would sneak food and hide it, and I would not eat in front of anyone else. Or I would look at someone and if they were looking at me while I was eating, I got very tense, very anxious. I started to gain a lot of weight in a a very short amount of time. And there were a lot of concerns raised from my parents, family members, doctors. And at the time, I didn't recognize it as an issue. You know, you're just a kid. You don't see the problem. You're just enjoying some ice cream. But then... I went to high school, and high school was a little different than most, and we didn't have a middle school, so after sixth grade, you went straight up to play with the the big kids, and from there, I encountered a lot of bullying, a lot of harassment and name-calling, and It gave me more of a reason to turn to food. For how involved I was actually though in extracurriculars, I was involved in volleyball and softball and cheerleading and the musicals and choir. I was in so many clubs. I did swim team, water polo club, yearbook committee, prom committee, homecoming committee. I did a lot. And I was always, always on the go. And no one could understand how I had gotten so out of control with my health as a kid. And I didn't either. It wasn't until the bullying and harassment really started where looking back now I notice a lot of the signs of anxiety and depression 
and I I loved school. I really did. I loved learning and I loved the activities I was involved in, but also at the same time I hated going. And if I didn't find something I felt comfortable in to wear because of my weight, which was almost nothing, I threw fits. I did not want to go to school. I would kick, I would scream, I would cry. I mean, full on fits. At the time, my parents were trying to do the best they could, talking to me about the importance of my health and how it was important to go to school. But I continued to scream and cry and yell. It was the last thing I wanted to do was go to school and face all the kids that constantly tormented me for my weight and made me feel less than I was. Made me feel like the whale they called me out to be. Um, Some days, my mom even had to threaten to call the cops to bring me to school because I I didn't want to go. And that was an everyday thing. I didn't want to go. I remember feeling very trapped within my own skin and I was unable to obtain the confidence and voice I needed to speak up about my emotions. And that's where I bottled in the anxiety and depression. And those two things were often very looked down upon growing up. If you spoke about those types of feelings, they were often repressed by the adults that refused to talk about the issues. And I remember one of the biggest phrases I was always told was, it's all in your head. Constantly. That was the one phrase I I took away from that. It's all in your head. So of course, being told that, why would I express the way I was feeling? And as a side note, why would anyone express what they're feeling when they're constantly being told, you know, it's all in your head. Your emotions are all in your head. Your feelings are all in your head. And while to a certain extent it is true, which I'm not diminishing anyone's feelings here. Again, this is a safe space. But what I am saying is that when you understand and go through a lot of the healing and mindset and working through that, you understand and gain the power and capability to switch it on and off within your mind. That's not to say it doesn't exist, but you gain that power. But again, it's wrong to just say it's all in your head because what are they doing aside from diminishing in invalidating your emotions and feelings. And that is something that is not okay with me. From there though, my anxiety grew a lot because I didn't have an outlet to really express it. And I think my biggest reliefs were the activities I was involved in that kind of took me away from it. So I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to speak or participate in class anymore. And I felt that my voice was meaningless. And again, I used my activities as a form of escapism and distraction And I used them to pretend that I was feeling okay inside. And I would post on Facebook all the time how positive I was and how I loved my life. And not that I didn't because I was, I led a very blessed life. But I kept up this happy-go-lucky attitude without anyone really knowing that I was dying inside. 
I was screaming inside. And, you know, because I pretended for so long that everything was all right, I would come home and lash out and yell and scream and cry to my family because they were the only ones that I was comfortable enough to do that around. But also because my emotions were constantly being pent up and a home was supposed to be the safe space. And I would try to get them out and then cry it out. And then, you know, once you have a good cry, you feel better because you're getting it out. But your emotions also need to be validated and seen and heard. And so I felt that they weren't. That's nothing against anyone within my household. I just, at the time, I felt like they weren't heard. And because of that, I would cry it out, have a good talk with my mom, be on my way and repeat it the next day. Because I don't want to say this in a negative way because I was raised very well. But I think for so long people create this ideal Like I said, that negative emotions can be experienced. It's all positivity, no negative energy. But there is a difference between using the negative energy to cultivate a more positive outlook rather than just ignoring the negativity altogether, if that makes sense. More so... What I'm saying is life is about duality. And I mentioned this again in my last episode. You cannot know what happiness is if you don't experience sadness. So it's finding the duality and not just ignoring the one side completely. And that's how I felt. And um, one of my biggest activities or my favorite activities I have become obsessed with volleyball actually and that was a huge moment that redefined a lot of things for me and I I remember sorry this is like crazy and like I'm being brought back to some of the emotions I felt um volleyball was taken away from me because I allowed bullying to take control first the people that bullied me invaded my head throughout the school day constantly taking advantage of me I did people's homework it was a lot and then they took my safe space one of which was volleyball and that's when I truly felt trapped because of my anxiety my size, my my lack of confidence in who I was. I never spoke up for myself. It's a scary thing to speak up your truth, speak and be authentically you without fear of judgment and pain and hurt, especially as a child. And even in regards to a joke that I thought went a little too far, I just, I couldn't speak up to make it stop. And that's exactly what this moment turned into. I was actually at volleyball camp one summer and a few of the girls that I had talked to here and there started jokingly pantsing one another to which they started to do that to me next. 
And I became very uncomfortable, but I just didn't have the confidence to tell them to stop. So I sat on the floor and I squirmed around trying to stop them from doing it. And then that's when someone said, look, she's squirming. She looks like a squirming whale. After that, they started playing Never Have I Ever and other games, similar games, and always included things such as Never Have I Ever Been a Squirming Whale, talking specifically about me, not to my face. Through this pantsing episode, they actually recorded me and showed the coach who laughed and did absolutely nothing until... I went to the principal, she lied to him about ever seeing the video, and then those girls got suspended for a week in which they drew nasty pictures of me and posted them everywhere online. So from that, and that was just like a glimpse But from that, my anxiety and depression grew a lot. My relationship with myself and my body spiraled completely downhill. And I tried everything to lose weight because everyone kept putting so much pressure on me to lose weight and lose it quickly. I went on diet pills. I tried fad diets. I did endless cardio and nothing worked. And then I got to college, excited for a new start, new chapter. I got paired with two of the most beautiful, picture-perfect, skinny type of roommates. And I mean, everything about them was perfect, like carving cut-out Barbie dolls. And that's when my anxiety and panic attacks really kind of started. They, the roommates, they were awful and through parties in which their guests would eat all my food and they would try and get into my room so I had to keep my door locked like when I was in there like their guy friends would try and get into my room and that's when anxiety made me retreat to my room and stay there locked away most of the day and night aside from class I didn't have any friends, no family around, no confidence. I didn't really get involved in anything. And I decided, I didn't decide, but because of my anxiety being so worse, so bad, I cannot speak. I stopped eating, actually, for three weeks. I just sucked on Lifesaver mints and I started to see weight drop off. So... Don't worry, I I didn't continue to not eat. But when I started eating again, it was definitely like a light switched in my brain. And instead, I counted every single thing I ate. So I am not saying, though, that you need to starve yourself in order to jumpstart and let this light switch in your brain. Because for me, I thought it was so great at first. I was really into losing weight all of a sudden, but I counted everything. I enjoyed nothing and I just ran and ran and ran. I didn't understand the power of weightlifting or I I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I obsessed over numbers. I obsessed over scale. And I literally, I ran every single day for an hour straight and trained abs daily And yet, I had no abs, and now I have abs, and I hardly train abs. Anyway, um, but yeah, I was going to dance classes, musical rehearsals, and this and that, and still not eating nearly as much because I was so obsessed with what everyone wanted me to be, skinny. And I was trying to live up to that expectation, but long story short, restrictive (laughs) dieting can only last so long, and... When I moved to Orlando to work for Disney World, I started getting into the mindset of just eating everything and snacking endlessly. And then my roommates at the time, who I became very close to, decided to move back home. 
and I was going to be facing a state completely alone and the anxiety that built up within me from that moment was honestly I I think the biggest turning point I know I mentioned that a few times but I think that was truly the biggest turning point in my life because it brought a different kind of anxiety to the surface it was almost like a separation anxiety and I think it is because I grew so used to people leaving in my life not necessarily family wise but my relationships with people never seem to last very long. Friendships, dating, whatever the case may be. And I think the reason being, well, I used to think the reason was because there was something wrong with me. And I remember even being told that. And I remember being told that after more of my friends walked away and I cried and cried and cried because I was just alone and I was forced to face all of the emotions I didn't want to face. And because everyone kept leaving, someone told me, why can you never keep friends? And like, why do you, you go through so many friends and people in your life? And I really was convinced something's wrong with me. Like, what the heck? Now, obviously, it's like, bro, they're lost. Like, I'm not even, I am unaffected. But that was one of my big fears. And that came with my codependent natures in regards to relationships that I sought out as well as the fear of abandonment. Those two were probably the biggest traumas I had to heal and to face. And since I wanted to kind of share that background story, I know it was a lot. But from the bullying and the harassment and the name calling and this desperation to almost be loved and looked at differently not because of my weight but because of who I was it's created this codependency within me to where I started developing clingy attachment styles people pleasing You know, I failed myself in terms of boundaries. I would do whatever anyone wanted whenever because I was so scared of them leaving. I was so scared to be hurt. I was so scared to not be good enough for someone. And that fermented into my adulthood when I chased after a relationship with someone for almost four years and I became codependent on this person so much that I based my entire happiness around him and this relationship now with the knowledge that I have now this relationship truly I attracted this I brought this into my life and I think it was to learn the lesson learn my worth because without the relationship I had with this man I would not be 
where I am today. I have found so much power and so much love within myself because this man and the way he treated me, he treated me so awful, so awful. And I kept sacrificing myself and my emotions and every ounce of me for him because I was so convinced that he loved me, which he said he did. And he was a representation of the experiences I had in my childhood that I didn't know how to deal with those emotions. I know that's kind of like a whole circle of things. But this man would come and go whenever he pleased. And what I mean is I would wake up and be blocked out of nowhere on everything for months, months, no contact. And I would obsess over trying to find ways to contact him because I wanted to be good enough for him. And he just chose to continuously leave out that door, which brought the fear of abandonment, which resurfaced. And I went through hell and back. And instead of closing the door, I kept it open for him. But as the cycle kept repeating and kept repeating because I kept attracting it, because I hadn't learned my lesson, I was not letting go of him. I was still under the impression that no, we are made for each other type of thing. And I just, I left the door open. But towards the end of it, the door started creaking closed. And now that door is fully shut, baby. But what I'm saying is that in terms of emotional healing and identifying your past trauma, they will present themselves as future relationships, future friendships, future hardships, and future experiences that you have to learn and grow from. In this relationship, let's backtrack a bit again. I had grown up never, never even having the slightest desire to drink, taste, touch, be around alcohol. It was never my thing. I associated it with a lot of people at my high school and I didn't like the idea of it. That being said, I did not drink until I was 21. And even on my 21st birthday, I went to an alehouse and had one drink and that was it. I didn't drink more until months later when I worked at Halloween Horror Nights. I met some girls I started to trust and in turn I started drinking more because I felt safe in the environment I was in and again I was running from some of the internal struggle so if you're catching on you kind of see that the food my relationship with food was affected through anxiety and depression and then now getting into adulthood and being able to drink and finding people to do it with that's what I started turning more to I never became dependent on it but I faced a time in my life where I was doing it frequently and at the time I could not handle it at all and This was before I met the man I'm referring to. 
icky and no, you know. <laughs> but when I met him, he was a very big drinker himself. And I think he was an alcoholic. And through our relationship, because of the lack of self-worth I had and the lack of just faith in who I was and my constant attachment to people-pleasing, and I got caught up in the matrix. And I started drinking a lot more with him. And... Because of my fear of abandonment, I let him emotionally abuse me. I let him make me chug drinks and drink after drink after drink. And I allowed him to sexualize me in ways... I'm just, I wasn't the proudest of, but I was so convinced that that was love. And I was so convinced that this man cared about me because I had absolute no faith in my own self. And through these hardships, I learned such emotional healing and growth and power. But as a side tangent, because I know this episode is a safe space for sharing and identifying past trauma and it is a very vulnerable chat for me to come out and say because not a lot of people know the way this man sexualized me. And he, being almost eight years older than me, manipulated me in ways I could never fully explain. But I want you all to know that It is okay to walk away. Knowing when to walk away is one of the hardest things any of us can ever do. Knowing when to find the courage to be okay with just yourself is a long journey. We seek out codependent tendencies with food, with alcohol, with drugs, with relationships, both men and women, for validation, for distraction, to hide from our own emotions. It was way easier for me to continue living in this chaotic mess of a relationship. That's what I'll, or lack thereof. (laughs) This chaotic mess. Then come to terms with just being alone. And I think one of the biggest problems we have, I don't want to say problems, but one of the, biggest moments in our life, decisions in our life, is whether we want to up and leave relationships that no longer serve us or to be alone and go through hell-like trauma that we've never experienced. Because what happens when you walk away from a negative relationship with food, with alcohol, with other people, friendships, romantic partnerships, whatever the case may be. What happens when you walk away from those? Oftentimes you are left alone. 
And oftentimes you are forced to face the things that you hide and seek out in other people. We want comfort in someone else. We want someone else to tell us, you know, you're beautiful, you're worthy, you're amazing. We want someone else to buy us flowers. We want someone else to take us to our favorite restaurant. We want someone else to be there for us when the entire world is collapsing right at our feet. But finding power and finding courage to walk away from that and allow yourself to experience the trauma and the emotions within you that you have felt and you deserve to validate. You deserve to experience them and let them be heard. Don't continue down a path of hiding the way you're feeling out of fear of losing someone. Because that was my biggest takeaway in my bullying experience, in my relationship experience. I didn't speak up in how I felt. I didn't tell people I was uncomfortable. I didn't tell people I didn't want to do it. I didn't tell people that I was hurt by it. I didn't express any of that because I was so afraid that they would leave me. And that's a part of my trauma. And that's a part I feel as though everyone has that slight emotional trauma that is a fear of abandonment. We get so caught up with being looked down upon or judged or outcast amongst our peers, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our partners. But at the end of the day, if you lose them because you speak what's true in your heart, they were never meant to to be yours to keep anyway. And that's one of the hardest things I've learned. So in all honesty, this episode was... A glimpse into what I have experienced. Of course, it's not even remotely close or we'd be here all day. I would have probably a 5,000 chapter book essay or something to tell my entire life story. Because some, well, all of our lives can never be fully told. We are the only ones that experience. and We are the only ones that feel the emotions. Unless you're empathetic if you if you're an empath that's that's a superpower in itself but we are the only ones living in these moments and so you may never understand what I truly went through but I want you to know that in this space in this podcast episode as all over the place as it may have seemed I want you to gain clarity and awareness in yourself. What are your interactions with people showing you? What are your relationships showing you? What are moments in your life showing you? It is so easy to just sit and scroll on TikTok for hours and hours and hours. Trust me, I do it every night. But that hides the moment, that hides you distract your brain from feeling something it might not want to. And so last night, I was doing the same thing. I was ready to watch a movie. I lit a candle. I drank some rosé. It was a great time, or so it started off. And then I noticed emotions coming up with me And I didn't, I wanted, my first instinct was to ignore it and move on. No, it's supposed to be a good night for me. It's supposed to be self-care. But a part of self-care is recognizing these emotions and becoming aware of how you're feeling and understanding that you're allowed to validate them, express them, and heal from them. 
And this is a part of your growth. Experiencing them doesn't make you any less of a person. It makes you human. We are brought here for a human experience. And this is just almost an entire rant because this is so important to me. And this is something I wish someone would have told me. And I know everyone's journey is different. But I truly believe my journey led me to this very moment, to be with you guys, to be in this safe space, to create a safe space, to create healing for you, to project that onto you, to help you, to inspire you, to motivate you. This is my purpose. And I'm not going to lie. I am not. I promise you, I am not 110% all the time. I am not constantly on this uplifting, perfect journey, I experience pain still. I experience sadness. I experience hurt. But I just don't let that control my life. And so if you gained anything from this, I want you to know how safe you are and how protected you are and how nothing bad can happen to you if you don't let it. And what I mean by that is you cannot let relationships and people around you make you feel less than you are. You are so beautiful and so loved and so cherished. You are the exact answer to someone's prayers, whether a friend, whether a family member, whether a romantic partner. You are exactly the thing someone else wants. And someone else will show you that through actions. If you are finding yourself in friendships who don't care about your well-being, who allow you to drive home after a night of drinking, who don't check up on you to make sure you're okay, who don't validate and listen to your emotions, who are constantly like, I know how you feel, this same thing happened to me, and talk about themselves. Those are not the people that are meant for you. The people that are meant for you will always make you feel heard, seen, and valid. And I want you to know that in your future relationships, but also it's your job to make yourself feel seen, heard, and valid. It is your job to do that first. You buy yourself flowers. You tell yourself you're beautiful. You find ways to comfort yourself when you are sad in learning what makes you feel good? What makes you feel bad? Learning so much about yourself that you're, you teach your future friendships and partnerships how to treat you because you know what you deserve and you know how to treat yourself. So, repeat after me. I am worthy. I am loved. I am beautiful. I am kind. I am patient. I am confident. I am light. I trust where I am being led. What's meant for me will not pass me. Thank you so much for listening. 
Thank you for taking time to be here and to be present and to listen to some of my story as chaotic and all over the place as it may have been. But I hope this sparks some inspiration. I hope this sparks clarity. I hope this brings you enlightenment and empowerment and makes you feel as though you are worthy because you are and you deserve so much more than you think. And I want you to take away whatever messages may have resonated with and use it to cultivate your own power and your own growth within you. If you don't already, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My username will be in the description box as always and again I'm your host Taylor Crown and thank you so much for listening have a beautiful week